All right, friends, welcome. Uh, this is Pastor John here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California, and uh, thank you for joining me today on this study of Genesis uh, chapter 13, verse 11, to Genesis chapter 14, verse 14. Uh, today uh, we, we go through uh, the Lord's will that is done, that by his very word he, he gives to Abram the promises, and through this promise, Oh, how he would see by the Lord's grace, his descendants, the promised land. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, again, this is Pastor Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California, 93021. It's a blessing to be here with you, however, whenever, and which way ever you are listening to this as we dig into the scriptures and dwell upon what this all means for Abram, for Lot, and ultimately in Jesus Christ alone. Why don't we begin with a word of prayer? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. Lord, bless us in your word this day and guide us always in your will, the will that is done in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, bless us in this word. Grant us faith to trust in your word and through all things have this word dwell within us richly. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, friends, uh, as we continue on today here, uh, why don't we get out our Bibles and continue on with Genesis chapter 13, verse uh, 10 and 11. Um, this is kind of the uh, where we concluded last time. And again, to give you a proper synopsis here, um, as we look at uh, the kinsman, the brother, uh, from Egypt and Sarai and the manipulation to now the challenge of having Lot and Abram in the same land, uh, not enough space for both. So they had to choose what, what land to have. And there Abram would, again, this is all, we always have to have Genesis 12 two in mind. Uh, Abram gives little nephew Lot the choice uh, very, uh, what's the word, uh, really an upside down way of doing things, but yet a faithful way of doing things, um, all because of what he had learned, but ultimately that the will of God is done. And that's the key here. Now, why don't we read verse 11 to 12 real quick. Genesis 13. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. All right. So uh, in light of uh, the geographical location, Canaan is more up north. Uh, Sodom is more down south. Sodom and Gomorrah, right? More uh, and this is where uh, Lot would go. He would go south. Uh, he would go to Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and there um, he would settle. Now, learning this, I think at the end of the day, as we uh, look at the picture of, well, the tension of a covenantist versus faith, right? Lot saw, Lot saw uh, this land and it looked good. How does it describe in the Bible? Like the garden, like the garden of the Lord, right? Or like Egypt. And here we see the picture of 
Yeah, to the eye, the physical eye, all looked well. And there, Lot's trust as a human being, of course. When you're surveying the land and, and, and your uncle gives you the choice on what you want, you look around and say, that's right, that looks good. We're going down to Sodom, right? Uh, we're, we're going down to the prosperous, verdant pastures and, and, and the prosperous area. We're going there, right? All the meanwhile, uh, as we look at Genesis 12 too, remember that. Oh, well, we read this together real quick. It says... Um, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Right? Also, verse 7, to your offspring, I will give you this land. Right? Trusting in the will of God. Faith. Spiritual, physical, spiritual. And this is the tension. And I think, you know, when we, when we speak of the tension of the covetous heart, right, of the, of the me-centered first approach to things, um, here we can clearly relate, both of us, all of us, and uh, how uh, quickly we, we dwell in and desires of the carnal flesh. And covetousness is real. That's what we learn here. Our eyes see, physical eyes see, that is good, I want that, right? In fact, our faithful eyes, our, our spiritual eyes sees another, and that is the will of God. God gave Abram the promise, Genesis 12, 2, and thereby faith he would cling to that what? Word. That word, Genesis 12, 2, created faith in Abram, and thereby that very word, he trusted and clinged to the will of God. And that is the life of faith, right? Word given to us by faith. And there in faith, we cling to that very word, the will of God. I mean, we, we talk about Apostles' Creed, Article 3, and we very well know uh, that uh, it is the Holy Spirit uh, that creates faith in us, as um, my professor John Pless would say uh, in his uh, book, uh, The Didache. Uh, he mentions um, Oswald Bayer. I remember this because this morning I taught someone. Uh, but uh, that we're not searching for, uh, we're not searching within for a religious echo, right? But rather, it is the word of God to which we cling. And I think that's the key, you know, feelings and roller coasters of religious echo and our ideas of who God is. No, our trust, our faith is in the word that was given to us uh, by the spirit who creates faith in us by that very word. And for Abram, this is his clinging. Now, physical eye sense, lot, covetousness, of course. This is what is best. So he goes uh, for uh, what looked like the garden of God. Yet little did he know, verse 13, what would happen here. Why don't we read that together? Verse 13. <clears throat> now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Right? Um, if he knew this, uh, you would think that uh, he would have, might have avoided this area of Sodom. Yet, lo and behold, he, he goes to this place, and there he sees sinners and wickedness. It was not all that it was cracked up to be. You know, a lot of times, I think, 
You know, uh, you know, when we uh, the grass is greener, right? The idiom,、uh, the grass is not always greener on the other side. And in our covetous nature, we we think that if we just have that object or that thing in our lives, the grass will indeed be greener on the the side. But in fact,、uh, at the end of the day, this is what he is met with. See, the will of God, as we'll see in verse fourteen and fifteen, is shown. But the will of man, how we engineer and go our own way. I mean, do you see that in your life? I mean, physical eye, right? Our attractions, our lusts、uh, for the carnal things of this world—how they dictate, rather than the word and faith, right? And that's the tension that we see here in the text. All right, verses fourteen and fifteen. If we could read that together, the Lord said to Abram, "Now, and this is."、Um, From Lot, who saw great sinners. Now this is Abram. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward, and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. All right. So, Lot is caught up in this land, but yet Abram is given a promise. And what is that promise? All this land that you could see all around you—it is yours. Not only yours, but to your offspring forever. Right? The Lord's promise. I mean, this is a radical uh, uh, word uh, that the Lord is giving to Abram. Now, when we think about Abram's life. Well, Abram, given this, given this picture of this will be your land, and eventually、uh, we talk about the promised land again、um, that the Israelites would receive. But also, Abram in his lifetime, you know, we we talk about、um, having a child with his wife's barren womb, Sarah, right? For that long of time, even chuckling at this reality. But yet, what happened? They had a child, and not only did they have a child. Uh, named Isaac, but also Isaac, as the Lord said, you are to sacrifice your son. And there,、uh, uh, there, as he would go on Mount Moriah, following the commands of the Lord, the Lord provided a ram, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Again, what I'm the the point is is that in Abraham's life, it was always about the word of God. That、the Lord's will is done. No matter how radical it seemed, his faith trusted in the word. Now you know what's even more radical, other than that, is what from this line before Abraham was, I am, and that is Jesus. From this line, the the greatest blessing of his offspring would be. The Christ, the Son of the Living God. Now, radical is the work of Christ and the gospel. Think about it: believing and trusting in the death and resurrection of our Lord. Right、uh, there, our Lord would come to this world to die and rise and and, and to shed His blood、uh, to, to to forgive us of our sins. The Lamb of God, and there, three days later, would would crush the grave and overcome and, and, and conquer and, and and prove to us the victory that He gives through His. 
very will. The Lord's will is done. And that is our faith. Faith that trusts in the word that is given, the incarnation, the word made flesh, the humiliation, exaltation of Christ Jesus, uh, the, the work of him who, who gives us the victory, who swallowed up death, who forgives us as the redemption, the ransom for many. Right? This is who paid the price, not with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. This is the Lord's promise. So when we talk about the radical promises of God, to the human eye, this is, wow, this is too profound, right? This is so way beyond. But there Abram was saying, what? The Lord is telling Abram, this is all yours as far as you can see. All right. <clears throat> Luther would say this. He says, uh, in pertaining to... Uh, the land that the Lord would give Abram, in quotes. Therefore, it is easily understood and does not require a lengthy explanation so long as one notices what an amazing situation this is. Through the promise, Abraham is the Lord of this entire land, and yet actually he does not have or possess a footbreath of it. Those who learn from his example to rely on the word will eventually experience that they have not believed in vain. See, this would be the anticipation for Abram, right? Um, this would be uh, for his offspring. And, and when we talk about uh, reliance on the word, and I think that the reason why I bring up that quote is because... really good theme as in his time of tents in his time of being in a foreign land there even in his present circumstances even though uh, it, it did not uh, uh, he couldn't see it with his eyes faithfully he knew what was to come and this is the tension again I say what where is it Faith says what? Anticipation of what is to come. Why is that? Because the word is our faith. And that word is of God. And when that word is of God, we know that his word, as it say in Revelation 21, that his word is trustworthy and true. And that's a fact. And there he would trust uh, the very word of God, relying but pastor, I don't see it, right? My, my life is this way. My life is that way. It's troubling. It's overwhelming. I, I just don't see it. And this is where we pray, Lord, grant me faith in your word. Not me, not my feelings, not my ideas, not my perspective, not what I think, but what the word of God thinks. Why am I yelling? I have no idea. But the reason this is so important to see this, you guys, the word is everything. Right? What we speak is of the word. What we trust is of the word. What we live by is of the word. The promises that we have is of the word. Right? Just imagine being Abram's shoes, seeing this land saying south, east, north, west. This is all yours. And to your offspring I will give you, Genesis 12 too, right? Called from the year of Chaldeans and there he would go. I mean, how amazing this is at the end of the day to rely upon the radical word which is faith. And uh, what an important focus and theme this is for us this day.
right? Faith, reliance upon the word. That's our object of faith. It is the word. And ultimately, who is the word made flesh? It's Jesus Christ. Verse 16. What does that read? Okay. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. The dust of the earth. You know how fine dust is? Dust is so fine. It's so, uh, uh, there's so many dust particles, right? I mean, this is what God promises Abram, that he would be the father of nations. I will make your offspring as the dust is of the earth. Right? And from this would come all the people, but also Jesus. I will. God's will is done. Right? Think about that, you guys. God's will is done. Right? What God says he will do. I will make you your offspring. I will give you this promise of the land. It will be yours. All right. Another quote from Luther. Hear this. The promise before us is entirely material. It deals with the possession of the land of Canaan and the growth of physical Israel. Again, offspring, right? Physical Israel. It is for this reason that Moses likens it to the dust of the earth. Again, physical Israel. But later on, in connection with the eternal promise about Isaac and about the heavenly seed, Christ and the church... Abraham is commanded to count the stars. Physical, Israel, spiritual, faith, will of God, the heavenly seed, Christ and the church, Jesus Christ. So when you, when you think about the will of God and what he promises, through all the things that you may be going through right now, here we trust in his word. When Jesus says it is finished, when he rose on the third day, this is, this is God's word to you. That you are a child of God and that his promises are true and his word is done. And that's the life of faith. right? That we trust in his will ultimately in Christ Jesus. And there we dwell every single day upon the words of our Lord and the promise that he gives to us in the gospel as we rest also in the gifts of the sacrament, right? The Lord's Supper, baptism. All right. So a lot of stuff here about the Lord's will is done. And this is what the Lord will do for Abram. All right. Verse 17 and 18. Why don't we read that? Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Trampled, walk, right? Arise and walk through the length and breadth of the land. 
That walking through is uh, from Joshua 1.3. And this is Joshua 1.3. Remember, Moses died. Joshua was taken the baton to lead the Israelites to the promised land. Again, this is all that fulfillment we're talking about here. In Joshua 1.3, I will give you every place where you set your foot. Right? And this is the picture of victory. This is signifying the victory. When, whenever there was a battle won, there were many a times where they would walk through the land that they had just won. Right, in the battles. And, and likewise, this is what the Lord is showing Abram. This is yours, so walk through it. This is yours, because I have promised and I will give you victory. You know, the promised land. It's also foretelling of what is to come in Jesus. Victory. The Lord's will is done. You have victory. In Christ Jesus, right? How do you know? Because the word says so, right? All right. Um, so, chapter 13. As we look at it, we see the themes, covetousness, faith, faith in the Lord's promise as the Lord gives Abram his word, Victory, offspring, this is yours, Abram. You might not see it at this very moment, but it is yours because I have given it to you and your offspring and your descendants will, uh, will taste uh, this victory. All right. So in the meantime, as we continue, uh, chapter 14 here. Now, what happens is, uh, there, is a, there is a rebellion and there, uh, the, the, the kings of the north, um, well, need to reestablish the order. So they go and, and take the jaunt down south. Um, and on the way, they would, uh, and why don't we just read this here, right here. And, and uh, uh, chapter 14, verses 1 to 12. 1 to 12. So follow along. Uh, very important that you do follow along here. All right. In the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of um, Elasar, uh, Kedor Laomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goim, these kings made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, um, Shemaber, king of uh, Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. And all these joined forces in the valley of Sedim, that is, the Salt Sea. Twelve years they had served Kedor Laomer, but in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Kedor Laomer and the kings who were with him came and defeated the Rephaim in the Asherath, uh, Karnium, uh, the Zuzim in Ham, the Amim in uh, Sheveh, uh, Kirathaim, and the Horites in their hill country of Seir, as far as El Paran, on the border of the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to En Mishpat, that is Kadesh, and defeated all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites, who were dwelling in the um, Hazazan Tamar. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, went out, and they joined battle in the valley of Sedim with Kedor Laomer, king of Elam, title king of Goim, 
Amraphel king of Shinar, and Ariah king of Elasser, four kings against five. I know that's a lot of words there. Thank you for following along. Hopefully I didn't um, ruin any of those names. But anyways, continue on. Verse 10. Now the valley of Sidim was full of bitumen pits. And as the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into them, and the rest fled to the hill country. So the enemy, enemy, enemy. So the enemy took, see an enemy, right? The, so the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, uh-oh, the son of Abram's brother who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions and went their way. So right here, what happened was the five kings in the south. And when we talk about uh, the, 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 the map here, sorry, this is going to be a really bad map. But this is where all the northern kings are. And they're, they heard of this rebellion down south. And um, as they were uh, seeing this rebellion, they were failing to pay uh, their tribute, uh, giving gifts to the overlord, which is uh, the king of Elam, uh, of Kedor Laomer. And uh, knowing this, they would travel down and on the way they would defeat. And eventually, as they were making their way up there at the uh, Salt Sea, uh, there they would be attacked by the, or try the attempt uh, by the five kings, right? Five kings. And what the result was what? The four kings defeated the five kings. And the area of Sodom and Gomorrah was also overtaken. And as you know, as it says in the text, who was in Sodom? It was nephew Lot, right? Anytime you have the victory, you... you you take the loot, you take the, the people, the women, um, all the treasures, all these things, and, and there is also a lot in the mix. So what are we to do? Right? What is going to happen? What does Abram do? Now, Abram is in his mid-70s now, so he is no spring chicken. But yet, even at his age, this is what he comes up with. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshcol, Eshcol and of Aner. These were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. So here we see Abram right here. And there, as uh, the four kings, headed by uh, Kedor Lamer, they would go as far as Dan, which is up north. And there, Abram would, and his, uh, and his 318 would, would kind of accost them right there at the thick of night. This is my attempt at my cartography, so... Apologies if that is a weak form of cartography, but hey, you know, I'm a pastor, not a drawer. You know, that's the thing. I'm not, I was never a drawer. If you saw my hands and if you draw my, if you saw how I drew hands and feet and I, oh, it was a stick figure every day. So this is my picture of a map. Apologies, but hopefully you get the picture. You could Google an image. Um, I know on our, on our, on our notes at church, we have one of these, which I should have showed you to make it a little easier. But here in the map, uh, as we know, as you see it, here you see, I don't know if you can see that. Here we see Abraham, and, and there he is uh, going up uh, to visit with 
uh, not to visit, but to overtake the four kings. Now, again, when we look at the previous life, not the previous, the previous chapter of Abram, um, in the time of Egypt, what does he do? He, he, he says his wife is his sister in lieu of being afraid, right? Yeah, being afraid that they would take his life, right, Egypt. But now what is he doing? See, he builds an altar to God, he worships the Lord, he invokes the name of the Lord, he remembers the promises of God, Genesis 12, 2, and now he's going straight after the enemy. Now, that's not, that's not Abram in Egypt. Abram in Egypt is trying to squirm his way out. Here, he is going after the four kings to retrieve Lot and all the people. Why is that? The Lord's will is done. The Lord has given him this promise. And here he searches for Lot um, in this picture of, of, of the trust and faith in the Lord's will. Right? Um, I think a lot of times uh, if we were them, oh, you know, these four kings, dominant, uh, no hope. What are we going to do? You know, 318 men in Abram. There, right? But what happens here? Verse 13 and 14. Why don't we read that together? Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and Aner. Now, again, when we talk about that, the oaks of Mamre, right? These are uh, Amorite, the brother of Eshcol and Aner, right? I mean, these were, uh, it kind of reminds me of Rahab, right? Helping out the spies, right? As they were serving uh, uh, Jericho, right? Remember that? Uh, In the same way, uh, the least likeliest of people, the Amorites, right? Idolatrous people were, were in alliance with Abram and they were helping him, right? Along with 318 people of his, of his crew, and uh, again, what an amazing picture this is. I know Luther had a, a great a quote on this. He says, He becomes a sharer in the faith and the blessing. So closely does he join the holy patriarch that with his two brothers, he even aids Abraham in the war against the heathen and for God. Right? And um, uh, here we see... Uh, Eventually, as we talk about uh, uh, the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, uh, here we see how the Lord does use right, uh, these people in, in that great alliance. So again, uh, with Abraham, there he would go. All right. So, uh, okay. <laughs> so in conclusion today, as we look at this text, um, as a result, uh, we very well know, as we'll talk about next week, there would be victory. All by the faith that began in the word of God. Abraham would go, and there the Lord would provide victory over these daunting powerhouses. Right? Now, in Hebrews eleven nine, and this is the faith chapter, as you know, it reads, By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. See, his faith trusted in what was to come. And that faith, defined by the word, shapes Abram to do what he did. 
Now, for us, we are shaped by the word that creates faith in us. By that very faith, we, 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 we continue to strive in this life of faith as our eyes are fixed upon the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. Because it has been finished and we live on the eternal timeline of our Lord. In that eternal gift of salvation and forgiveness in life, there we too strive in the word and the promises of God as we continue uh, to live joyfully in this resurrected life, loving and serving uh, and, and fulfilling the will that God has in our lives, in our vocations. Right? But at the end of the day, the comfort of salvation that is given to us in Christ Jesus alone. And this is the picture of Abram, right? I mean, this is, this is by the word of God to which he was given. And there he would go and do these very things. Not by, by his own human strength, right? But by faith. That he would even live in tents knowing that he is a foreigner in this land. But yet, the anticipation was true because it would come by the will of God. Right? Concluding thought. When we talk about being sojourners, we probably, you know, Luther says we are mere guests in this world. Do you see yourself as a guest in this world? Because what he means by that is, as a guest of the world, what are we looking forward to? We're looking forward to the return of Christ. Right? Because it will be done. We're not setting up shop in this world as if this is our permanent home. No. We're looking forward to what is to come, all by the word that was given to us, and there in faith we trust, right? As the word creates faith in us to look forward to what is to come, and this is what shapes us in our daily life. And that's the tension, you guys, going back to covenants, distant faith. Do you see that tension in your life? Do you see how the covetousness uh, uh, so easily dictates and controls and shapes and defines how we live, move, and have our being in our sinful nature? When in fact, on the other hand, our faith, well, there we are also shaped and defined by Christ and his blood, his work, his victory over death, sin, and the devil. For you, and through this very word, we proceed. Just like Abram, who was promised the greatest gift of all this land, all the offspring, but ultimately for all the world, Jesus Christ. This is the line of Abram. This is the ultimate blessing. And this is what he was looking forward to. And for us, as we are mere guests of this world, we are looking forward to our heavenly home, the return of Christ. Right? The room with many mansions. This is what shapes us, you guys. Because when we get in those trenches of this world, we forget that. But as we look at Abram and Lot and this story of rescue, this is a foretelling of what is to come. The great rescue of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for this time together. Bless us in this word. And Lord, grant us wisdom uh, to to dwell upon uh, your promises knowing that through the gift that you have given to us in Jesus Christ, there we rest in the victory uh, of our Savior who died and rose for us. Bless us, O Lord, in the wisdom of this faith. And Lord, grant us faith to cling to the very word that you have given to us, the word of Christ, 
for the forgiveness of our sins. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, uh, thank you for joining me today. And it was great uh, to go over this text with you. And hopefully uh, it was helpful to you. Um, Hopefully you could apply this. Study it, dig, chew, nurture, meditate, feed, whatever that may be. Use it. Because there uh, we know as God uses uh, the word or gives us the word um, to lead and guide us in the comfort of this faith. All right, friends, have a wonderful day. This is Pastor Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California. Love you all, of course. Of course. Praying for you all, of course. Until next time, God be with you. His will is done. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. The will of God is done for you. It's Jesus. Adios. Goodbye.